Doug South Studios in Oxford, Mississippi. We're mass communicating. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for them. This is the End of the Line Podcast, powered by DougSouth.com. I give it a, uh, a 10. A 10. Sweep the leg. You have a problem with that? And now, here your host, Rocky LaFleur. Everybody on? Good. Great. Grand. Wonderful. No yelling on the butt. Josh Webb. Sorry I had a fight in the middle of your butt. I'm party. And Jake LaTondres. I'm bad news. Also starring Rob Crew. I bet this guy's into the woods a hundred bucks. And Bradley Ramsey. Bill Martin inside. Showtime. All right, here we go. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. Showtime, everybody. Showtime. Welcome to the End of the Line podcast. I'm Rocky LaFour in the Duck South Studios in Oxford, Mississippi. Joining me on the other end of the line is a much-anticipated part five. I guess it's part five we're on, right, Ryan? I believe so. I stopped counting. It's either five or six. That's one of either five or six. But last week's episode, man, it was killer. A lot of people listened to it. It's a good thing. Maybe somebody learned something from it. You know, there's so many eerie similarities into, and I know we talked about this last week a little bit, but the similarities between Jeff and your deal, but but also on the other side of the equation are people like, I see conversations going on on Duck South Island, man. I'm going to do it the old way. It's not going to happen to me. I'm going to do it like Daddy taught me. Yeah, that's the problem. I mean, and and it's a big problem. And it's, you know, it it goes back, some of it goes back to your, your level of education through your game wardens. I mean, you go to, you go to your hunter safety classes, you're not learning about it. You're not seeing this type of information in your regulation books. And a lot of guys, your regulation books are getting stronger. And the states are doing a lot better with them. They're adding pages to them. But you go back and look in a lot of your regulation books, and you'll see some basic stuff on baiting usually. But you won't see much on tagging. But then if you call the office out of Loveland, Colorado, and say, what's your number one violation? Number one thing that you get people for, what is it? And they're going to tell you it's a tagging violation. And when they told me that, to be real honest with you, I thought there's no way. There's no way I would have heard of it. And I even told him, I said, there's no way. I I just can't believe that. I said, I, you know, lead or unplugged shotguns or over the limit. Yeah, but tagging violations? I, how would I have never heard of that? And he just said, he said, man, you're not, you're not the first one to be on this call with me. You're not, you won't be the last. And I don't really I, I, know at that, at that time if, if 
if the guy I was talking to, I don't think he knew who I was at that time. I know you spent a lot of time researching with different states, different federal game wardens. In your opinion, are federal game wardens' efforts more focused on public land hunters and also then even more than that, guide services, than they are just a regular old guy hunting private land? Yeah, for sure. For sure, 100%, because your regular old guy hunting land, most of those people, here's the way you got to look at it. The guy that's hunting a day or two days a week isn't going to, in their eyes, and and in reality isn't going to affect population i guess is probably the best best way to put it they're not going to affect the populations like the guy that's doing it seven days a week and running three crews of guys and and i use that term loosely population because i don't think hunters are really affecting the population of waterfowl as a matter of fact i think i think the efforts are low on a lot of species for example speckle bellies snow geese i mean i've argued i've been to the state meetings i've told before long before i was in the position i'm in i was in the state meetings and told them speckle bellies are your next snow goose problem when i was growing up we we never saw speckle bellies now they're everywhere and and we're and and their response was they can't get accurate uh harvest number because you can't get accurate numbers on them because their breeding grounds aren't like a snow goose they're not isolated in a certain area they're spread out and yeah but and i so i said okay i mean there's nothing i can do about it the council can't change it um, I guess the guys that hunt private land, the one thing they would have to worry about is, look, if federal game warden show, showing up on your private land, he, he's he's not the light. You've heard us say it numerous times. He's not there to check you. He's already got you on something. Yeah. But the yeah. but once you leave that field, that's what it's what that's what's important because then you you're transporting birds. Yeah. Right. Yes. That's when you once transportation begins, you you need and you need to be. I'm just I'm going to say you need to be tagging them. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, the feds, the local game wardens, whatever you want to call them, any, any of your any of your law enforcement on that side of it you're going to have a 50-50 mix. Some of them are going to say keep the birds separated. Some of them are going to say you got to tag them. The ones that say you got to keep them separated, my response is show me the law where it says they have to be separated. Well, there is no law that says they have to be separated. They have to be identifiable. And basically it beats around the bush and says if they're not separated, then this. And you're going to get a, an over the limit or over the possession limit or 
they're going to find something not tagging. They're going to find something to write you for if they're just in a pile in the back of your vehicle. But tagging, and they've also told me in the same breath on a recorded conversation that tagging is a general term. I mean, you can you can list the proper information on a five-gallon bucket, throw your birds in a five-gallon bucket. They're tagged. So, you know, I get a lot of people that say, well, wh why is your tag? Why do we have to use your tag? You don't have to use my tag. You can take my tag and look online and copy down the information on a note, note card and use it. The difference is your note card is not waterproof. And my tag is. And I put an elastic deal on there instead of using a bread tie to make it easier. But I mean, that's that's neither here nor there. We'll get to that later. But tagging is a general term. It doesn't have to be my tag or whatever. Louisiana issues tags. And they issue in their regulation book, they issue a copy of what needs to be on the tag in their regulation book. But they also issue some tags. They'll give you so many of them for free. And so I have a lot of duck clubs call me and say, can you match this tag just exact same minus the state of louisiana logo on it because they only give us so many we need more than that for our duck club they won't sell them to us but they'll only give us so many so i say yeah here's the price you know for a thousand of them print them out send them down there then if they get checked, they have the exact same tag minus the state of Louisiana stamp logo on it. And those guys love it. They eat it up. Works for them. They like it. The waterproof tag keeps them out of a lot of trouble. Knowing so, what happened to you, does it make you cringe when you see some of these pictures online, these kill pics that some of these guide services are posting online? Oh yeah, and I'm sure. I mean, I know you know that because you see me screenshot stuff off Facebook and send it to you and say this right here is what is what causes a problem, and it does. And and I I mean, I'm not I'm not saying I didn't do it. I did it. I I knew that was going to drive business. It was going to drive sales because people. People want to shoot stuff. They want to go out and have a good quality hunt and shoot things. And that's just the reality of it. There, there's not many people that want to spend $2,500 and go up to Canada and never fire a gun. There's a few that would be okay with it. But the majority of the population is going to say, Four of us spent $2,500 a piece to come up here, and none of us has even shot at birds. They're not going to be real happy. So if you can show four guys standing behind 10,000 birds, then the four guys that are going to book the hunt, they're all in, right? I mean, that's basic sales strategies. I mean, it's it's across the board, whether you're watching stuff on TV or or whatever. I mean, men in general, and I'm not saying men are your only hunters. There's a lot of great female women hunters out there. But 
men for sure are driven by sight. That's the way God made us for a reason, probably. But we're driven, we're stimulated by sight. We're more more likely to flip open a magazine, glance at pictures, than we are to sit and read a magazine, for the most part. So, it's it does make me cringe, especially when I see young guys, because I know I was that guy at one point, and I'm thinking, man, you're young, you know, you're you're under thirty. You could be recently married with a kid or a kid on the way, and you're just, I mean, you're standing at the Fed's door knocking, waiting for somebody to answer, and sooner or later, they're going to answer the door, and it ain't going to be good when they do it, because they're not just going to come after you for one thing. They're going to come in, and they're going to snoop around until they get enough to get a search warrant and then they're going to come in and do what they need to do with their search warrant and they're going to find everything they can to charge you with and it's the same thing that you hear out of Jeff you know they don't want they don't want my guides they don't want at the time they didn't want to arrest my wife they didn't want to arrest my kids they didn't want to keep my dogs or arrest the neighbors or whatever they wanted to cut the head of the snake off. And and unfortunately, the head of the snake is the owner of the outfitter operation. And I don't care. You know, I've got a great friend here in Kansas, and he owns owns an operation but doesn't do anything with waterfowl. So for a few years, he let a, he let a waterfowl company lease his lodge and operate on his ground and they paid him for it. He called me up there to talk to hunters one night. I went up there to talk to hunters and they had just finished filleting the breast out of their birds and putting them in bags into the freezer. And I seriously thought I cannot get out of this building quick enough. I don't want to be here if the feds show up. I don't want to be here if one of these guys is a fed. You cannot just fillet birds out like that. But you know what? I've created a solution for you to do that, and we'll get to that later. But I've created... Hey, I've speaking, created of feds coming, speaking of feds coming down on the lodge, that's kind of where we left it last week. You had walked into your lodge, and if you hadn't listened to last week, you need to go back and hear what happens once Ryan walks into the the beehive that's become his lodge, he walks back out, and as he's walking back out, your lawyer pulls up, right? Is that where we left it? He was standing on the sidewalk. I had I had just walked out. Um, I had opened the upstairs door and told one of the guys that I have a lawyer on the way. You don't have to say anything. Because I knew they had them all separated and talking, but what's bad is, is still at this point, at this very moment, I had no idea why. I knew Dan and George were, were responsible for it, and I had asked at some point one of the hunters downstairs, where's Dan and George? They said, I don't know. I asked one of the agents, where are my other two clients at? 
Dan and George, and they said, we interviewed them and sent them home. And I thought, bull, you didn't interview them and send them home. You're debriefing them somewhere else to figure out what all they got. So don't play dumb with me, I know. So I walk out the front door, and my lawyer, Kurt Kearns, is standing there. Mind you, I don't have my phone at this point, right? They've taken my phone. Um, at that time, Facebook's on there. I mean, you have you have everything on your phone. Think about somebody taking your phone right now, and if they could open it up and access it, they would access your pictures. They would access your text messages. They would access your emails your Facebook, Facebook Messenger, any Snapchats or anything like that that you're getting, Twitter, Instagram, all, I mean, all sorts right. of stuff. Um, What's anything your, what, you've looked what, up on the Internet. I'm, I'm anxious to know from last week, what is what is his first reaction when you see him to all this commotion? When I see Kirk Kearns? Yeah. Oh, when I walk out and see my lawyer, he is smiling, shaking the hands of the two or three federal agents that were standing out front. And it was, when I looked up at him, I immediately recognized him. I knew who he was. I knew he, he had been to the, to the police academy when I was going through training and he taught us a lot of stuff about the do's and don'ts, what you do on the stand in court. And he was one of the best criminal defense lawyers in the state. And so they brought him out to help, you know, basically to prepare us for court. Like, Hey, this is what you're going to be facing questioning wise. And so, um, in our cases, so they, they, I knew he was one of the best of the best, if not the best. And so I simply uh, walked out of the front of the building, and I didn't know where he was at, but I didn't have my phone. And when I walked out of the front of the building, here he comes, and he is, I mean, right five foot in front of me as I walk out the door. And my truck doors are open. They've got guns laying on the hood of my truck that were in my truck. Um, they're digging through stuff in my truck, and uh, he's smiling, shaking their hands, and he's in a suit and has his phone and stuff on him and turns around, shakes my hand, smiles, and says, how are you? And I said, I, I don't think very good, but that's why you're here. And he said, oh, you're fine go for a walk and I began to calm down pretty pretty drastically at that point because I'm I felt like somebody that was there for my best intention that was on my side had finally shown up because I didn't really know what was going on and I know you've heard me say that a lot I just didn't and so he took off walking. He pulled his phone out 
and he turned his eye recorder off. And I said, what were you doing? He said, I was just recording some conversation with those guys and see what they had to say and see what they thought. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, he's immediately, he's immediately going to work. And so I couldn't leave with my truck. They were searching it. Um, he had parked down around the corner. And so my house was about four blocks away. Did they give anything away to him? Did they say anything? No, just minor conversation. They were, they, they knew, they knew who he was. He, he had been in on another big case out of a deer. It was a deer case out of another part of Kansas where some guys were spotlighting and guys out of Texas were coming up and they were, was no tags involved and i mean i don't know a lot of the details but i know what it ended up being a federal case because they were transporting the horns across state lines and that made it lacy act violations that got the feds involved and that took it to federal court so i know he got i know he was involved in that and i think he was kind of small talk about pretty much how'd you guys feel about the settlement on that case and how things went and and whatever. So um, we took off walking towards my house. And I was still a little bit panicky, but not like I was before. And so he said, what's going on? And I said, I'm going to be real honest with you because I – I need you to know what's going on because you can't properly defend me if you don't know what's going on. So I'm going to tell you everything I know. And he said, okay. And I said, dude, I have no effing clue what is going on. I said, there was two undercover feds that have been hunting with us. I said, it was Dan and George. I know it was. They wrote me a check today. Um, he said, where's the check? I said, it's in my pocket. Um, we pulled it out, looked at it, and, and they had written it. And in the memo, said, two-man waterfowl hunt paid or whatever. And I said, I always thought it was weird that they wrote one check. I said, I always thought it was weird that they, one guy was kind of married and divorced. And his kid was going to college. The other guy was not married. I said, he showed up to, you know, yet two days ago with the wedding ring on. So I kind of gave him the quick back history of what was going on. I said, dude, I have no clue. I said, there were two over today. This morning, there were two over. I said, they were the ones that shot him, and they said it was an accident. And I said, that, you know, that doesn't mean they didn't do it on purpose, but I don't know how they're going to do anything. I mean, that doesn't constitute this. So. We hadn't got very far down the block, and um, I could see I could see several vehicles. Um, I, I lived just down around the corner. It was about three blocks, and we we kind of just went and turned, and I could see several vehicles on my block, and it was more U.S. Fish and Wildlife vehicles and Kansas Department of Wildlife and Parks vehicles. Remember, there was 26 of them that came in there. So I 
continue down around the corner, and I'm like, dude, they're all over my house, too. And he's like, yeah. So I walk up to the front porch, and he knocks on the door. And he says, can we come in? And he had turned his phone back on and was recording. And the game warden or the Fed at that time that was standing at the door said, you can't, and pointed to him, but he said, I could. Which I knew at the time was a little bit not right. That's not going to be favorable in the court's eyes. I mean, I have legal representation with me. Why? And it's my house. They haven't seized my house. So do they want, are they, at that point, the question is, are they trying to separate you from your legal representation? So he, he, he said, okay, you know, he'll be in in just a minute. So he hands me the phone to start recording. Remember, because I don't have a phone. So he hands me the phone to start recording. And I go in to the house and I look and there's my wife sitting there and there's people like in all, all rooms of my house. And there's one real tall guy standing there with his arms crossed. And, um, he said, how are you? And I said, I don't know. I don't think very good. And he didn't smile, didn't say anything. And my wife at the time commented and stated, she said, she looked right at him and said, hey, I thought we talked about this. If you're going to be in my house. You have to have a good attitude and kind of smiled and whatever. So it was apparent to me that she was indicating to me that these guys were being real jackasses because she's got a pretty sharp i guess sense of humor that she's just going to lay it out there the way it is so i kind of knew that yeah she wasn't very happy with the way they've been and she's reminding him that he's not supposed to be like that and so is she freaking out she's not she's pretty calm at this point at least on the outside and i'm thinking you've got to be freaking out and wondering what I've done, but I don't really know. So whatever. So in the spare bedroom that we had, uh, we had a computer set up and they were hauling it out. Um, hey, fast forward, fast forward and, come, and then hit rewind. After this is said yeah. done, she has to look at you and say, all of this over Ducks and geese? At some point, yeah. she says that. I mean, they yeah. don't even come down on a house like that for a murderer. Yeah, well, that, I mean, and you remember when when Jeff made the statement a couple of weeks ago that he was pretty much everything but a hunter? He was a child molester. He was a, this, he was that. He was a druggie. He was a drug dealer. He was this. That all the rumors came out of what was actually going on, the same thing happens. And so when I listened to him, I'm thinking, yeah, it was the same deal. We were 
supposedly selling drugs out of the back of their out of the back of our lodge. I've never done drugs. I can that's I mean I've drank like a fish, but I've never done drugs. So I mean we heard all that. We heard that we had prostitutes there. We heard that we were selling drugs there. We heard that we were shooting, you know, two, three limits a day. We heard all that stuff. So, yeah, she's – but honestly, I'm still thinking that because I'm like 99% of the listeners that think that's not going to happen to me. I mean, that's just not, that's not practical. That's not real. I mean, you know how much money it costs to bring 52 agents into Wichita, stay at a hotel, get the paperwork, set everything out in front of everybody for Operation Gooseneck with pictures on it and and brief everybody on who, okay, your team is going to take this guide and talk to him. And these are the questions that you need to ask him. I want to know. What, how he's responding, if how, if he's crying, if he's doing this, if he's saying yes, if he's see if you can get him to go into this detail, do this. All right, Team B, this is your project. He, whatever. I mean, there was a lot of resources spent, and so yeah. of course, every, everybody's thinking, for real. I mean, is this real? I mean, I had cards from. You know, they all left kind of cards on the table at the lodge. And I had cards from agents in North Dakota, Utah, Arkansas. It wasn't like these 52 guys were local guys. I mean, these guys were from Colorado, Utah. I know for a fact there was ones from Arkansas, North Dakota, Utah, Colorado, Nebraska obviously Kansas those are ones for sure that I knew that I had cards on that I was like really from you I mean that's a trip and I'm sure that's probably why they're riding two to a vehicle too because some of those people probably flew in but really I mean it's just me it's just that's what you're thinking it's just me what have I done that constitutes this Were they so, kids yeah. in the house at that point? There, when they there first were kids. came up, when they first came up, there were kids in the house, and so my three children are there. One was ten months old. Um, my boy was ten months old. Um, my two girls were both under the age of seven still. So, one was three and one was six, almost seven. Now, one was had just turned six. So, um, thankfully, my mother-in-law lived close. So, my wife sent them with my mother-in-law. Uh, remember, it was December 11th, 2015. So... My six-year-old had a Christmas concert. It was her first Christmas concert. So my oldest child has her first Christmas concert that evening. And 
I have no vehicle. I have no phone. I have 26 federal agents at my house and my lodge. And I, the, I, I'm very, very bitter about the whole thing when it comes to this because I didn't want to go to the Christmas party or the Christmas concert and deal with all the questions. I didn't really want my wife to have to go deal with the questions. I didn't want my mother-in-law to go deal with the questions. My father-in-law was the chief of police for 29 years in this town. I didn't want him to have to go deal with the questions, but it didn't matter because I had to sign search warrants and everything else, so they made me end up missing it. So this this entry made place. Uh, they came in about 3:18, I think, is what it was. Um, and the Christmas party was at like, or the Christmas concert was at like 5:30, so I missed it. Your your firstborn child, oldest child. You are now missing events. This was event number one because the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service that I would miss. And some people will say the only person you have to blame is yourself. Well, that's true, but I mean, I, I didn't really know what was going on. There's no excuse for ignorance. I understand that. But I'm thinking the same thing you stated a little while ago over ducks and geese. And so I guess coming full circle with that statement <laughs> yeah over ducks and geese they take it a lot serious more serious than what you think they would and part of me is like good job for protecting our resource the other part of me is like let's be realistic there's no reason to drag somebody out of a vehicle and shoot them in the head on a traffic stop because they're going 63 miles an hour in a 50 mile an hour zone that's pretty extreme. Bringing 52 agents to my house and my lodge is pretty extreme. When Dan and George could have just stood up and said, you know what, we're gonna write you guys tickets right now for not tagging, you're storing untagged birds, you're doing this, you're doing that. They're gonna be must appears in court, so plan on showing up to court. Okay, Less lessons learned. But that's not what they want. They don't want to do that. They want to humiliate you. They want to ruin your business. They want to stop you. They want to cut the head of the snake off. And the best way to do it is come in like that. That's the same thing with Jeff. So, I mean, they're taking stuff in my house that doesn't even make sense. And as I'm looking at some of it, I'm like, why are you taking that? That That is a... That is a USB, it's basically a router that plugged into your USB and it got internet signal. It was from Sprint and it gave my computer internet. It it didn't store any information. It was just basically a router. Right, and I know what no, you're talking there, about. There was, it, I mean, some of these younger guys might not know, but it was... There was a lot of people that had them in their laptops and they plugged in the side of their laptops at the same time. It was before like regular Wi-Fi and Bluetooth. You know what I mean? So they take that and I'm like, what, what is that? What are you, what are you taking that for? 
and they really wouldn't let you question anything. They take they went through my filing cabinets, took all my bank records, all my financial statements, all my receipts. They took my books. And I'm like, okay, well, I, I mean, we're, it's December 11th. I got waterfowl hunters till mid-February. And I got guys that are on the books for next year. I, I have no books. So here's a hint to you, to you guys out there. Make sure your books are backed up somewhere if you've got books. Back them up on Google Calendar or something like that where you can get in, sign in, and find out Bob, Larry, and Joe are supposed to arrive on the 15th. They hunt for three days. They've paid a deposit of $200 each. Their balance is $800 each. If you don't and you lose your books or, like they did me, take my books, you're in a world of hurt. Things are, are not only bad because you can't, you have no way of figuring that out because they've taken your mail that, that your deposits were in. You have nothing, you don't know what's going on. Granted, they had my phone and I wasn't smart enough at the time to go get another phone with the same number right away. Going back, that's the first thing I would have done is shut my phone off. Because they look, friends of mine told me they opened Facebook messages that were sent to me because they could saw they could see that they were opened. They saw that they were opened, but this was after you know four days, five days after the feds had my phone, and so I ended up going and shutting off my phone, shutting that, transferring that number basically over to another another phone so then I could re-log into Facebook and it basically shut that phone down. So at any point now, did your lawyer say, eh, did he jump in the middle of anything while they're going through your house? No, because he had to stand outside on the porch. Remember they wouldn't let him in, so I went in with the phone and the recorder. No, I just didn't know if they he stopped them as they came out. No. He 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 was confident enough in what he was doing. I think his take on it was if you give them, if you give them enough rope, they'll hang themselves. I mean, because he was ready to make him explain. We were serving a search warrant on my client's house, so you either are okay with him coming in there and his legal representation or you're not. I mean, some search warrants, you don't let anybody in. And that's understandable. Hey, we have a crime scene here. We don't need random people in here with DNA and whatever. Everybody stays that's, out. That's right. So, I mean, that makes sense. But you don't just let one person in. You don't let the suspect in. Hey, we think you might have killed this guy in here on the floor. Come in. Tell your lawyer to stay outside. Makes no sense at all. They they don't care because they make their own rules. And I, I know they don't want to hear it. I'm sure that's going to really piss some people off. But they make their own rules. It is what it is. 
they're going to do what they want to do, when they want to do it, how they want to do it. They're going to come up with a reason for it. And it's, there's enough gray in the law. I mean, they'll stop you for di- driving down the road. What'd you stop me for? Well, we thought you were hunting. No, I mean, you can't. If that's all it takes, probable cause for a, for a stop, every duly pickup diesel with bullwhip antennas that left a bar at 2 a.m. would be stopped for DUI. You have to have probable cause to stop somebody. Game wardens do not have to have probable cause to stop somebody. They make their own probable cause. And nobody wants to hear it. But friends, that's the reality of it. You better be careful because they can do a lot of things that you think they can't. Like come into your house and check your freezer because you have a hunting license. They want to know what you're storing in there. If you went and bought a tax stamp, you think that the DEA would show up and just come in and check your house? be okay with that without a search warrant just because you got a tax stamp? No. They'd have to have probable cause to go into that house. Game wardens can get away with a lot of stuff. And when I went to the academy, I had friends of mine that were game wardens. I joked around all the time about it. If I ever have trouble getting into something, I'm going to call a game warden because they can do whatever they want. I made that statement in the early 2000s. And it came back to bite me in about 2010, 2011. So they're loading up stuff out of your house. Where does it go from here? um, They're collecting evidence. Let's let's get the proper terms. They're collecting evidence, loading it up. Your wife's sitting there. You've walked in. The lawyer's sitting outside. So they leave. And before they leave, they have me sign a evidence custody receipt. So I go through, I knew from being in law enforcement to go through and read the receipt. You want to know what they're taking. You're going to get a copy of it, but you want to know what they're taking. Again, you don't, if they're taking 15 pounds of a white powdery substance thought to be cocaine tested positive for cocaine, you don't say, oh, you're taking my cocaine? Because anything you say at that point is an admission of guilt. It's a voluntary statement because you're free to come and go at that point. I had already asked if I was free to leave, and they told me yes. I walked into my house voluntarily. So you read through the statement of what they're taking, and then you sign at the bottom of it. Then they give you a copy of it. So I go through that. I sign the bottom of it. I get the copy of it. I go outside. Uh, Kenny Kessler out of Topeka or Kansas City is still currently up there. Um, gives me a copy of it. I believe it was him. Gives me his business card. Says if I want to talk, call him basically. Um, I said okay. I 
remember specifically thinking, don't don't hold your breath. Because it ain't going to happen. And uh, I walked out, handed it to Kurt Kearns. Kurt Kearns looked over it. He said, they're taking your checkbook and this and this. They're just trying to show that you are, in fact, in business. So you can't say you're not Misty Morning. So they want your bank statements. They want all that to show that you're operating as a business. You're taking money from it. I said, okay. He said, you're going to have another one at the at the lodge. So we'll head back there. So we walked back there. Um, guys and everybody were still there. They were kind of wrapping up. This was like 6.15, 6.30 at night. They were trying to wrap stuff up. So they'd been there for about three, three and a half hours. Went through everything. Freezers, they'd taken uh, buckets of, of birds out of the back that we had, that we had bird hitched. Um, remember the birds that we were going to make gumbo with that evening that we were going to yeah. brown the meat and put in the roux, pulled them because at that point we were storing untagged birds and the, the argument was, and I was mad enough. Then I opened my mouth and said, why did you take the birds out of the refrigerator? There was like five or six breasts in there. They said, well, they they weren't tagged. They said, no, what did they say? They were, they were illegal is what they said. They didn't tell me they weren't tagged because I didn't know at that point. They just said they were illegal. You have to have a head or wing attached. And I said, we were going to eat them in like two hours. I was getting, when I got back here, I was going to start cooking them. Didn't say anything. Didn't, they weren't going to argue with me. They had taken them. It is what it is. They took uh, buckets of birds out back that we had just bird hitched and left the carcasses. Um, and we had wings, you know, wing attached. Um, they took a bag of, of, uh, of grain out of my back storage room. And I said a bag of grain because I thought you're not going to take like five pounds of cocaine when I didn't have five pounds of cocaine so I'm going to look at and read everything and make sure that there's no evidence there that doesn't belong to me and so I asked him I said what is the what is the grain what are you talking about I'm not signing the search warrant until you till you tell me what the what are you talking about with the grain they said well, there's a bag, brown bag back there. It's, you know, 20 pounds of grain or whatever. And I said, does it say Kaufman seed on it? And they're like, yeah. Do we need to show it to you? And I said, no, I know what it is. Deer plot, deer, deer plot food, seed, food plot seed. I said, we've got 14 food plots planted with that stuff in it. That was what was left over. I said, we bought, there's a receipt somewhere, probably at my house that you guys already got has the purchase of like 250 pounds of that seed so i said it's fine it's got like winter peas australian winter peas stuff like that so i said that's fine so i continued down through it there was a bunch of computers on there and i'm like 
these are not all my computers. Well, they'd taken a bunch of the foul play outdoors, all their electronics, their camcorders, everything. Um, and pretty much when they got done with them, sent them down the road. And so, remember, you don't have a phone, so you can't call anybody. They let them keep their phones. They're trying to call me. I don't have a phone. I don't have internet. They've taken all my computers. I have nothing. I have no way to do anything. So, extremely frustrated. Go through the rest of the search warrant. They're taking stuff that's not, there's no reason for them to be taking it. They take a 17 HMR out of my truck. I'm like I have no idea why would you why you would do that. They emptied the contents in my freezer, which was like there was two foxes in there, I think a coyote, a pheasant. None of them were tagged because they were in a in a deep freeze where multiple people had access to it, and it wasn't my personal abode. They need to be tagged. That's that's more of a state law than a federal law. That's why you, if you take a deer to the taxidermist, you fill out a tag and he attaches it. That's what all that's about. Which I learned. I mean, that was hindsight because I'm thinking I don't have to tag a coyote or whatever. So go through the search warrant. I'm just getting more pissed off the more I look at it. And there's a couple pages of it, and you're looking through stuff. And I'm knowing from being in law enforcement that you're taking stuff that you think is evidence that you're going to use against me, but the shit you're taking is not evidence. I mean, it's like a mower. Why, why, are, you, why are you taking my mower? They didn't take my mower. I'm just using that as an example. But they took stupid stuff that was like, what are you doing with that? So I said, a bucket of carcasses, and they're like, we're lead testing them. And I'm like, whatever, I enjoy that. And I'm thinking there's two feds and 16 other hunters here shooting. What, I've what been more frustrated about the phone. I mean, what it's not like the old days where you, where you remember your buddy's phone number in your head. We're just no, so used to right. hitting a button now. <laughs> Right, and you you lose pictures of your kids, you lose pictures, everything, videos of your kids. I mean, you don't realize how much you rely on a phone so it's gone, and you don't realize how much is connected through your phone, Facebook, Instagram, everything else until it's gone, and you got to re go go recreate all that. And and don't worry. In the meantime, your buddies are like, I heard those bastard feds showed up, and blah 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 blah. And what did they do? And what did they? What do you think they were doing? And why do they? Why were they there? And it's like later on, you find out they're reading those messages, and there was some debate about possible responding on my phone. And I'm pretty sure there was. There were some there were some responses sent out. Well, why do you think they were here? 
type stuff where they're trying to get people to say, well, I don't know, were you down there with that four gauge again and 500 pounds of bait and killing everything that flew by like we did last week? I mean, I think that's what they were looking for. I'm 99% sure they responded to some of the messages that I had on Facebook and Messenger. And that it proved to be more true when I got my other phone and got it back on and got logged back in. I could see stuff where I'm like, I didn't respond. I, that's not, I didn't respond to that. So then at your, your sense of paranoia is so high at this point that you don't know what they've got. Are they into your Facebook account? So you're trying to ask people for numbers. Hey, what's your number? And it's like, I don't really want them to have that number. What if they've got my phone tapped? What if they've got my lodge tapped now? So anyways, getting back to, to that evening, we so, we finished the, the search warrants. Go ahead. What? You or your lawyer, neither one said, hey, why are y'all here? No, you don't ask. No. No, and my advice would be not ask that question. They're going to tell you when they want to tell you, and they're you'll know it. But you you ask them why are, why are they here, and you're engaging them in conversation, and they're going to engage you back. And the more you sit there and talk to them, you're just digging with that shovel. So you you definitely got to watch. The best advice I can give you, and I heard Jeff say it too, you you don't need to say anything. See, that's where I would fail. I'd be Mr. Nice Guy. No, you can't. You've got, when they say, hi, I'm Bob with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Services, I'd like to ask you a few questions. Your first response should be, am I free to leave? And if they say, yeah, but, yeah, anything, then you need to leave. If you can't leave in your pickup, start walking. Do not stand there and engage these guys in conversation because the Miranda the Miranda Act and your Miranda rights is what, there's a reason for that. There's a reason, there's a statement in there that says, Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law because they're going to ask you questions. And when you say, well, we might have done this, but then you just have an admission. It's no different than when a police officer pulls you over, he walks up to the vehicle. The first thing he says is driver's license and proof of insurance. You hand it to him. The second thing he's going to say is do you know why I've stopped you? Do you know what he's asking you when he says, do you know why I've stopped you? He's asking you to provide him with an admission of guilt. (laughs) Well, I I was going a little fast back there because my granddaughter's having her first birthday party. Okay, you just admitted you were speeding. So now when you go to court to contest it, 
and say, well, there was other cars around me. Maybe his radar was batching. Maybe this, maybe that. When's the last time he put tuning forks on his radar? Is his radar certified? When's the last time it was certified? doesn't matter. You knew you were speeding. You have an admission of guilt. Mind you, you don't have to, you don't have to know you're speeding to get a ticket, but they're going to ask you that. If you make the statement, you know why I pulled you over. And you say, probably because I just drank 16 beers at the bar back there and I'm trying to find my way home on a dirt road and I was puking out my door a half mile back and I've been running with my high beams on at 80 miles an hour down the road. They're going to love that answer even more. So the less you say, the better off you are. Whether you think you're innocent or not, they don't think you're innocent. That's why they're there. So please, if you pick up anything from this entire set of podcasts, do not say anything. The only thing you need to say, am I free to leave? If they say no, then you turn around and put your hands behind your back and let them arrest you. And if they say, well, you're not under arrest, and say, then I'm assuming you're going to read me my Miranda rights. Because if you have custody and interrogation, you better read me my Miranda rights. And the minute they get to the part where it says you have a right to an attorney and right right to have him or her present with you, while any questioning is, is being done, you look right in their eyes and say, I'm invoking my right to an attorney. And when they say, well, well who's your attorney? The court will appoint one to me if I can't afford one, but I don't, I'm not taught. I'm not saying anything until I have an attorney. And at that point, they've got to place you under arrest. They've got to take you to jail. You have to go into a first appearance court. You have to plead not guilty there. And then the judge is going to say, do you have an attorney or do you need one court appointed? And you say, I need one court appointed. And if they send you back into the jail, at least now you have an attorney if they want to show up and talk to you. 99.9% of the time, I'm going to tell you, they're going to tell you you have the right to leave. Same thing they told me, you have the right to leave, but we would like to talk to you. No. Adios and leave. Because talking is like when you're a little kid and you're in trouble. The more you talk, you're just digging yourself a deeper hole. Just quit while you're ahead. And like John T. Brooks told me, and I'm sure I have no doubt in my mind he's listening to it. So hello, John. But he told me the same thing. He said, he pushed the door back shut and he said, you are free to leave at any time. But remember, you've been in law enforcement long enough to know the more cooperative you are on this end, the easier it'll be on you on the other. I said, I know that the more cooperative I am on this end, that it ain't going to be any easier for me. I said, if you're asking questions, you don't have a very good case. And I walked out. They're basically giving you the option to hand you an oar and you row down river quicker than what you're already going. It's like you're headed towards a waterfall and I hand you an oar, and you just go faster towards it. The best analogy I can give you. 
you might think you're going to turn around and go the other way, but you're not. So don't don't even try it. After, so, after that, after that, I had a game warden pull up. I was talking to some guys. Was still an outfitter. I was talking to some guys that killed birds in the back of the vehicle. A, a friend of mine, Hal Kina, ended up being a, a decent friend of mine. Showed up, pulled up, got out to check the guys. I got in, said bye. My thought was, "Are you going to detain me? Are you going to stop me? Then turn your lights on and make a stop. Don't pull in here." to a gas station and get out and talk to me. You want to stop me? Come stop me. And turn your lights on, stop me. And then tell me why you got me stopped. And then when you lie to me, then we'll talk briefly. So you signed both receipts, though, right? Signed both evidence custody receipts. Was really upset with the second one. So what time did they get out of the lodge? So it was about between six thirty and seven. They only stayed for like three hours. Yeah, three three and a half hours. But I think, um, I mean, I think they just gathered up tapes and any computers and I mean, my shop wasn't my my business wasn't like Jeff's shop. I mean, it. All my stuff was pretty. I'm not saying Jeff's not organized, but all my stuff was. Pr- all my videotapes, my Sony cameras, my GoPros—they were all on one shelf. Chargers, wireless mics, all that stuff was together. So just go in, take it off the shelf, take ammunition, make sure that it was legal. Take some seed and clean out my freezers and refrigerators. Any paperwork I had right there with and a bunch of more hunt contracts. They took hunt contracts and started calling all my hunters. Hey, we show that you because on my hunt contracts I had phone numbers. Hey, we showed that you were out hunting with Ryan on such and such. How was your hunt? Good. Did you do anything illegal while you were there? Nope. Okay, well, if you think something, call me. Then that hunter would call me. Hey, I just got a call from, I just got a weird call from John T. Brooks from the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Services. Want to know if I'd been hunting with you. What's going on? Well, you'd explain it. Plus, it was all over the Internet. Go to refuge forums. And that's like what Jeff was talking about. You got to read about all that. You got to read all that trash. I mean, people people sh- hate you. Show up to hate you. You don't you don't even know who they are. But they got all over refuge forms, and I tried to get on there. Emailed them several different times. Tried every different fake address to get on there. I think they finally figured out it was coming from the same IP. Finally, I sent the owner's messages, the form guy's messages. I mean, I was mad. Stop being chicken shits. Let me get on there and defend myself. This isn't right. 
you know, one of the guys on there, if you go on there and read the form, um, one of the guys that's on there says something about, yeah, I was there when the bus went down and I'll never go back there and whatever. I told him on the form when I, the, when I, when I wrote the owners of the form, I said, that was the guy that was trying to convince me to find a model airplane to drive snow geese, was trying to convince me that you could drive snow geese with a model airplane to where their wings would get so tired they would land and you could walk through there and just shoot them. And I told him, <laughs> as much as I hate snow geese, Uh, no, we don't have a model airplane. We're not getting a model airplane. I don't believe it. Whether you want to show me or not, we're not going to do it. But I'm thinking this is the same guy that's talking about me. You know, and, and a bunch of other people, oh, they were double dipping and this and that. And if it's not right for us, then they shouldn't be able to do it either just because they're a guide service or... And we weren't. That was never a charge. So it, it's very frustrating. And you, you're trying to figure out who it is because everybody's hiding behind some BS bullshit screen name of, you know, like, here you go. Some of you guys may be listening. Duck Dozer. I mean, Kansas Hunter. All-Star One. I mean, so I would, I would write down names and try to figure out who it is, look at other posts. You can read a, a bunch of stuff on there. You just can't post anything. And I'm thinking, yeah, I'll find out who you are. Doug and Doug and Doug, ask people, ask other people that were on the forum because I was never really a forum guy. So I, I would ask other friends of mine that I knew were on the forum, who do you think Duck Dozer is? Who do you think whatever? I mean, you're just mad. At that point, you're you're pissed off. You're ready to fight. You feel like what's been stripped from your dignity and and everything is is not going to be repairable. Guys are calling you because the feds called them and then um, wanting to cancel their hunt for next year and just be refunded because we don't know if you're going to be in business and you know we we don't we don't know you know all kinds of excuses. My my wife's going to end up having heart surgery and whatever. Now she, whatever. I mean, it, I can't begin to tell you the amount of money that this has cost me. I, I, I well, would go as far as say millions. Well, we're over, just about out of time, but look, next week I want to talk about when they leave. Because you have to sit down with your lawyer, and I'm sure your wife is a part of this, probably your guides. Let's talk about the town. What is the town saying? Everything. Small town. Getting, yeah, I mean, that the rumors flying around town have got to be nuts in a small town like that. But Ryan, I have enjoyed it. Man, when you when you go in depth in a story like this, uh, to my say, man, you didn't talk much last week. I don't need to. I don't need to say much when he's telling the story as in depth like this, and you feel like you're there. So, 
Well, Great job again fun. tonight. But want to hear more about meeting with your lawyer after that and the the following days because you you keep on going, right? Keep on guiding. Yeah. Got to we'll, several more years. Yeah, I mean we'll get into that next week. Talk around small town and ship it. I can't wait to find out why. No why. It's coming, I know, but anyway. Brian, thank you again. We want to thank all of you that listened to this edition of the End of the Line Podcast, powered by DuckSouth.com.